You are listening to sermons from the pulpit of the Bible Baptist Church in Marysville, California. We hope you will be blessed as you listen to another practical message. All right. Keep your Bibles out. We'll go to 1 Corinthians. No, just kidding. Uh, anyway, Brother David was changing my message this morning, but those verses are good as well. Amen. And we are in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, and we are in Stewardship Month. And unapologetically, I teach on stewardship. Uh, it is part of the Bible. It is, a, it is an aspect of our life. And, you know, sometimes people get offended anytime a pastor will teach or preach on money. But the reality is money is a big issue in every one of our lives. And usually it's not that we have too much of it. It's usually because it's, it's what do I do with what I have? How do I navigate through life? Sometimes we get to the end of the month and there's more month than money. What can I do to fix that? We're in a time of inflation right now. And with that, if we don't learn how to, to manage our money, we will find ourselves in a bad spot. And so, as I teach on stewardship, though it will have an aspect and a, uh, a part of offerings, a lot of what we teach on is just to help you. It's just to help you. And even if our offerings go up, it doesn't change my salary. It stays the same. So this is not an, it's not an effort to try to get something from you. Uh, and so I just, uh, and we've got guests with us this morning, and so uh, with that, you know, you're, uh, as I teach on this, it'll be something that uh, we can all uh, learn uh, and grow in. Uh, but uh, when we, we look at here, I want to uh, look at these verses, our text again, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Now, we've got to remember the context of this teaching. This, this was in a day where uh, agriculture was the norm for existence. Not that we don't still have to have agriculture, but we trade, we trade usually primarily in money. Most, most people's trading and bar bartering was based on either a flock that they could grow, herds that they had, or, or, uh, or the uh, uh, crops that they would raise. And so, so here the Lord is dealing with the everyday, normal, pressure, uh, life of the people. So we can communicate this, we can look at it with uh, money, all right? So every man, according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God liveth, uh, loveth a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that ye, always having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. And so in verse 7 is where our text is this morning. Every man, according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. Now giving, 
Giving is a natural response of love. It's the natural response of gratitude. Somebody does something nice for you. What do you immediately start thinking? How can I do something nice for them? Somebody brings you, uh, maybe they bring you, good morning, Miss Lisa. <laughs> good seeing you this morning. Uh, and, uh, sorry. Uh, but uh, anyway, uh, you have, you have uh, somebody does something nice for you and the natural response is you want to do something nice for you, for them. They, they bring you some cookies and you start thinking, okay, what can I make that they might like? And you just want to do something nice for them. It's just a natural response of gratitude. And you know, uh, God has been so good to us and, and we have a wonderful opportunity to give back to him. He has done so much for us that we get to do something for him. Matthew Henry, or I'm, yeah, Matthew, no, Warren Wiersbe said this, it seems strange that we Christians need encouragement to give. When God has given so much to us, God has enriched the Christians in a wonderful way, and yet they were hesitant to share with what they had with others. And so uh, here, that's what the Apostle Paul is dealing with. These Corinthian believers had been blessed in many ways, and now uh, they were, uh, th the admonition was for them to give, but they were having a hard time giving of what they had gathered. And so he's teaching them about this. And so Paul is dealing with the heart of giving. And these believers we're struggling with the concept of giving. And Paul gave some instructions on how we should give, what our motives in our giving should be, or our attitudes should be as we give. So uh, we see the growing, and we've, we've looked at that in our uh, stewardship month so far, but growing and giving, we look at grace as well. But there's another word that sometimes describes the condition of our giving and our sacrifices and service for the Lord. And sometimes that word is guilt. It's guilt. Steps of stewardship. And this morning, guilt is going to be, we're going to look at that step uh, with guilt and how it applies and how it should not apply. And let's have a word of prayer. Father, I do pray that you'd bless. Thank you for your people. I pray that you'd help us now this morning, uh, those in person, those online, help all of us, uh, Lord, to just look at our attitudes and our motivation of our service for you and our sacrifices for you. And so help us now, please, for Christ's sake. Amen. All right, before I get going, is everybody, is it warm in here? No? All right. Is everybody awake this morning? It is somber in here this morning. Put a smile on your face and, uh, and let's, let's stay engaged in the message, all right? And so uh, here we look at the steps of stewardship. Uh, guilt, what a word. Guilt is a, guilt is a word. It's something that all of us understand. You know why? Because we have all at some point been guilty Somebody catches you doing something that you shouldn't do, and all of a sudden that, ugh, I'm caught. Or 
Maybe you've done something wrong, and, and as, as you've done something wrong, there is a, uh, and you hear a siren go off. And in that siren going off, uh, you, uh, uh, you see the, the siren goes off and, uh, behind you, and you're thinking you look right down to your speedometer. And you start wondering, oh no, is it me? Have you ever been there before? I've looked down and I thought, oh no, I'm speeding. And I slow down and I go to pull over and it keeps on going. But there was initially that guilt. Sometimes in our service for the Lord, I wonder what the motivation of our service for God is. I wonder if the motivation is guilt. I have to. I have to. It's expected of me. And so here in verse number uh, six, uh, he said, but this I say, he would sow sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he would sow bountifully shall reap also bount- bountifully. And we see this correlation of, of grace and giving and the principles of sowing and reaping that are there. And the reality is God prefaces uh, this, this uh, giving and he lets us know, you give, he says, I will give back to you more than what you plant. You sow, I will I will." bless you, I will give more back than, than what, you, what you give. The, uh, uh, the farmer does not go out and plant seed expecting to get the same amount or less than what he planted. No, there is an expectation of a bountiful supply that will come back that far exceeds that seed. And, and not only the seed that he's going to re- receive, uh, but the, all of the extra seed, the fruits and all the extra seed that is a result of, uh, of that, uh, uh, of that, uh, uh, that uh, sowing. And so uh, this, this farmer, uh, he, there is a motive uh, and his motive for, for sowing we know it's irrelevant when it comes to agriculture i mean the the farmer he could have uh, a a motive of you know what i just want to make sure all the kids are fed his motivation could be that I just want to uh, do my very best and, and I want to work hard and get that fulfillment from my work. And so I'm going to do my very best and, and try to, to do better than I did last year. Maybe his motivation is, is something that, uh, that uh, is tr- trying to, to uh, make sure that, that uh, the U.S. is not dependent on other places. And maybe that is a motivation for a farmer here in the U.S. But really, the motivation doesn't matter. He could be greedy. He could be stingy. He could be an individual that when he sows, it's all about what he's going to get back out of it. And the honest truth is, it doesn't matter. But when it comes to our giving, it does matter. 
God said, he that soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he that soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. So we see these principles that are there. But then we go into verse number seven, we see that uh, there, there is something a little bit different. Uh, he said, every man according as he purposes in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. So we see this in this giving. First of all, we see see grudging giving, grudging giving. Uh, and so number one is grudgingly. Uh, we can give grudgingly. And if we are going to give grudgingly, if it was just about agriculture, it wouldn't matter how we sowed. But God cares about the motives of why we do what we do. He does care. Now, the honest truth is when, when people put money into uh, a, when they give a gift, whether it's an offering, whether they give to an individual, whether they, they put it in for missions or a building or, or any of those things, the, the motive of the individual uh, does not impact the use of that gift. The gift can still be used for something good no matter what the motive was. But the blessings that come on the giver is, is dependent on that motive. So here he says, I don't want you to give grudgingly. Now, grudgingly, uh, this, the word is the, the word like peace and it means sadness. Sadness. Uh, Emotional distress, emotional pain. Those are the words that are used when you, you search out this word grudgingly. And the, the offering comes by and, and God's people give. You know what? It should not be emotional pain. Not grudgingly. You know, when you give to your wife, if it causes you emotional pain to give something to your wife, there is a problem, right? You, have, you give something to your children, and there is pain. There is sorrow. It causes you emotional distress that, man, I just, I had to give to them. That represents a heart problem. And the same thing in our giving to the Lord, our giving should not be grudgingly. It shouldn't be, man, if I didn't have to, I wouldn't, I wouldn't give that much. You know, what's our attitude in our offerings to the Lord? Now, the offerings here, these offerings were going to be taken up and sent to other believers. But regardless of, of where the offering is going, well, no matter what the gift is going to, when we are giving, we are giving to the Lord. As a steward, everything that we have belongs to the Lord. And all we are is managers to use it how he would want us to use it. And so if I am using the resources that God has given to me and I give them and those resources... 
that giving of resources should not come out of a heart that is grudgingly giving, emotional pain. Uh, that's not how it should be. We should not give that way. God can use the gift of a grudging giver, but God will not graciously reward that grudging give, giver because the attitude matters to God. We see, secondly, we can give grudgingly or we can give guiltily. Of necessity. The word of necessity, uh, it is the state of absolutely being required. That's the word of necessity. It is absolutely required. You know, our giving shouldn't be based on a requirement. You know, people talk about grace giving, and I do believe in grace giving. I believe in the New Testament, we do have grace giving, but it doesn't remove the floor of the tithe. The tithe was the floor, and then the giving above that was the offering. And, and here, as we are, we are giving, uh, it shouldn't be out of guilt, it shouldn't be out of absolute requirement. God isn't holding my arm behind my back to make me give an offering. I remember after I first got saved, I was a teenager, and, and uh, the church back then, it was back in the early 80s, 1983, and the church up in Washington, we, we had had... Uh, you, just, it was a growing church, but uh, there were a lot of financial struggles. And I remember as a teenager, uh, the pastor, uh, they would take the normal offering, and then the men would stay back there and count. And the service would go on. They'd come back in, tell the pastor what the offering was, and, and they'd put the offering back out and do another offering. I have been in services where three offerings were taken just to meet the month's budget. I remember asking, okay, well, uh, we're going to have to give sacrificially, and, you know, I'll give another hundred. Who else will give another hundred? And people would stand, and they're, they're ca calculating, okay, well, we got this much. Now we need to take another 50. Who can give 50, or who can give 75? Or, and and we, would, we would operate that way. Why? Because the, the resources were so very tight. You know, we, we don't operate that way here, praise the Lord. And I believe a lot of that is because we teach on stewardship. And with that, it's not just, nobody feels like we have to give. We just see what God says about this area of giving. You know, and our giving should be a response of a heart. And when our heart is for the Lord and the things of God, then it is going to impact how we give. Uh, guilt causes us not to run to God. Guilt causes us to run from God. Go to Genesis chapter 3. And we can see this played out very, uh, very clearly. Uh, we, you remember the story here uh, when uh, uh, God gave Adam a wife and now they're together and Eve leads Adam into sin. Wives, 
No, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, here, here they, they uh, find themselves, and, and Eve is tempted, uh, and uh, she gives the fruit to Adam, and Adam takes it, and they sin and disobey God. Uh, what do we find in verse number 8? The Bible says, And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife, what did they do? They hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. What do we find here? We find that guilt causes us to run away from God. You know, guilt is a terrible motivator. Guilt is not a tool to be used to manipulate people to do something. You know, God doesn't use guilt. God uses conviction. You know who uses guilt? The devil. The devil is the accuser of the brethren. Just think about it in your own life. How when you fail, who's coming to you and saying, I thought you were a Christian. I thought you were saved. I thought you were a believer. I, I thought you said you'd never do that again. How many of us? Yeah. I'll never do that again, but we fail, and what happens? The devil's right there. He's accusing us. Is that accusation trying to get me to run back to God? No, that accusation is trying to get me to feel unworthy. That accusation, that guilt is to try to suppress me, try to remove me from God. You know what conviction does? Conviction says, hey, here's a problem, and let me tell you how to fix it. You know what the Spirit of God does? The Spirit of God, when we're going down the wrong path and He brings it to our attention, He is trying to get us to see, hey, there's something here that's a warning. I need to get this right. It's the check engine light in your car. I was a mechanic for a whole lot of years and uh, working on cars. It's amazing how many people will ignore that light. And then when their car breaks down and it has to come in on a tow truck, you know, it always costs you more to ignore a problem. And that's not only in your the maintenance of your house, the maintenance of your vehicles. It's also in your relationships with people. It's also in our relationship with God. Amen. You know, the Spirit of God tries to get our attention so we can correct it. You know, as the Lord, as He, as he corrects us, the Bible says that He he chasteneth every son whom he receiveth. What is that? That's correction. That's the chastening hand of God. You know what really brought in my own life, what brought the assurance of my salvation? Though I knew the verses and I had the, I could look at the scriptures that talk about eternal security. I could look at those, but I still had a doubt of, of my own personal salvation. I struggled with that for a while. You know what really nailed it down for me was the correction of the Spirit of God. I mean, after I got saved, it all changed. 
Not that I all of a sudden stopped doing everything that I was doing because I tried to hang on to some of it. And all of a sudden, the things that I had never even been taught about, I was convicted about. And I'd go to do something, and the Spirit of God, you can't do that. You can't do that. No, that correction. Uh, But you know what? Guilt, it's not a good motivator. You know, the correction of the Lord just shows his love for me. He wants me to do things that are going to bring blessing into my life. Just like we look at our children, we want them to do right. Uh, Why? Because they're going to get to enjoy the blessings that come from that. And so guilt and conviction, uh, they are different. Guilt is a tool of shame. Uh, Conviction is to to bring us, uh, to correct us. And, and God, uh, with his mercy and his goodness and his love and his grace and his forgiveness and his generosity, his blessing, God's so good to us that when he, when he gives to us, we then, uh, we should not give back to him grudgingly. We should not give back to him guiltily. Every man as he, as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheer giver. God loveth a cheerful giver. So we should not give uh, out of, uh, out of grudge, uh, grudgingly. We shouldn't give out of guilt, uh, but we should give because of grace. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Grace, number three there. All right, grace. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8, And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that ye, always having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. Now you stop and think about this. This is a group of people that are giving. You would think, well, they're giving, so they're going to have lack. And that's not the case. Because they are giving, uh, God is able to make all grace abound to you. An able God gives abounding grace. An able God gives abounding grace. He, what is grace? Grace is God's riches at Christ's expense. That's what uh, that little acronym that somebody's developed, uh, God's riches at Christ's expense. It is the unmerited uh, favor of God towards man. Uh, we don't deserve his grace. Uh, he gives it to us when we don't deserve it. He is so good to us. Uh, and because of that, God, he is able to make all grace abound towards you. Who is the you he's talking about? He's talking about those that are giving. And he's saying, I'm going to make sure that all grace abounds towards you. Why? That ye always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. He said, you are giving. He says, I'm going to allow the grace, my goodness, is going to abound towards you so you have sufficiency and so you are able to continue the good works. He gives us the resources to do his work. But when we sow sparingly, he said, oh, pastor, I'd, I'd be more generous if I had more. Are you generous with what you have? If you're not generous with what you have, why is God going to make more grace abound to you? You see, he said, he that soweth sparingly, well, I give. Where's that at? 
He that sows sparingly shall reap sparingly. He that sows bountifully shall reap also bountifully. And with this, this area of grace giving, this giving, uh, God is saying, listen, when you are giving and it's not grudgingly and it's not of necessity, it's not out of guilt or, uh, or pressure, it's not because it's required, you're giving because you want to give. What you're going to find is that God is going to, he is going to bless us. What does it say in Luke? He said, give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, shall men give unto your bosom. For with the same measure that you meet, it shall be measured to you again. Uh, why? God is, God is not going to be debtor to any of us. He's not debtor. So here we see this, this giving. It should not be of obligation. It should not be of duty. It should not be coercive. Now, I'm going to teach on offerings, and I'm going to teach on giving. I'm going to teach that we need to tithe and give to missions and all of these things. But I'm not coercing anybody. I'm not going to come to you and, and call you out on your giving or lack of giving. Why, that's not my job. But I am going to teach you on it. And what do, you, what do we find? We'll find that you'll be the one that's blessed for it. And so how do you know that? Because I know what's worked in my life. I've seen God bless my life. And we've been able to do. And as we, as we serve and as we give, and it's not just giving to the church. It's also giving to other things and other people. Opportunities that God gives to us. What do we find? We just find that as we, are, as we are generous and as we are giving, as we are sowing, and we sow bountifully, then there is going to be that reaping that's going to come. So our giving should not be, be manipulative. It should not be out of guilt. It should not be of necessity. Why? Because of God's grace towards us. Just stop and think about it. If you're saved and you know you're saved, the Lord Jesus Christ paid your sin debt for you. He paid my sin debt for me. Not only did he pay my sin debt, not only is he going to give me a place eternal to live, he has blessed me beyond measure. And I get to enjoy those blessings. And because of those blessings, I want to give back to him. Because of his goodness. Giving out of duty does not have the same effect Giving affects not only the cause or the individual, it also has an effect on the one giving. When you give out of a cheerful heart, God loveth a cheerful giver, what do we find? Uh, there's joy, there's happiness, and there's fulfillment. If we give out a necessity or we give out a guilt, what do we find? We find that there is regret. Man, I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have put that much money in the offering plate. You get your, uh, your giving statement at the end of the year and you look at it and say, man, I could have bought a truck. 
I could have done this, that, or the other, or we could have gone on vacation. There's a different mindset. You know, I don't, I don't want my giving to the Lord to be out of, out of remorse. I don't want to re, I don't regret my giving. I remember as a teenager when all that was going on, I was making three thirty-five an hour, working at, working at uh, McDonald's, and then I got uh, another job at Safeway, and I got a huge raise when I went for, to work for Safeway. I got three fifty an hour. And so, uh, but I remember uh, working, and, and I bought a 1970 Nova. That, that car, you could hardly, I remember my parents when I bought it, they said, how are you going to afford to pay for gas? I mean, gas was 80 cents a gallon. How are you going to be able to afford gas? Uh, the prices today, <laughs> and uh, oh, for 80 cents a gallon. Uh, but uh, uh, anyway, I put, uh, I put 10 gallons in my truck, and I looked at the tally, and it was $48 for 10 gallons uh, just uh, yesterday when I, when I put some fuel in it. Uh, and so it just shuts off at 75 or 100, but it never fills up unless I want to run a card twice. Uh, but, uh, you know, uh, the, I remember when I would sit there in the offerings and they'd be saying, okay, I'll give 50 and I'll give this. And I remember as a teenager giving and wishing I had more to give. Wishing I had more to give. You know, that heart has brought so many blessings in my life. And I'm not saying this morning that if you put money, more money in the offering plate that you're going to be rich. I'm not going to, that's not what the Bible's teaching. But what the Bible does teach is that as we give, God's grace will be upon us. He blesses us. He rebukes the devourer for our sake. You know, that car might go a little bit farther than it would have gone without. You know, just trusting the Lord. Now, when it comes to our giving, our stewardship, our life, it should not be out of guilt. Our service for the Lord our sacrifices for him. We shouldn't do them because of guilt. That's not the motivation. It should all be out of a motivation of gratitude for what he has done for us. Now, you say, well, pastor, I, I'm not seeing that right now. I'm not dealing with, I, I have more of the guilt than the gratitude. How do I change that? You've got to look at the blessings. If you don't look for the blessings, you'll take them for granted. You'll just take them for granted. You know, you go to your cupboard and you open it up and there's food there. That's a blessing. There are many that are here that that has not always been the case. You know, when you stop and just look at all the blessings that God gives to us day in and day out, there are people that would love to be here in church this morning, but their health will not allow them to be. Brother Doug's with us this morning. He hasn't been able to come. He's on full oxygen now. 
Brother, Brother Jewel is with us this morning. And what a blessing. Dealing with cancer. And he's not moving near as fast as what he was. But he's still here. And there are people who do not have the health. They'd love to be here. They don't have the opportunity. God's been so good to us. So our stewardship, just managing the resources that God has given to us, that's our time, our talent, our life, everything about us. And managing the life that God has given to us, it shouldn't be out of an attitude of guilt. It should not be that we are compelled and we have to do something. It ought to be just out of a heart of gratitude. And as we keep our mindset on gratitude, you know what, you know what the impact will be? It changes us. You start looking at effect and effect. Effect is a noun. Effect is a verb. And there is a, a noun change. There is a change in the person as a result of the action of giving. It changes us. And when our attitude is correct, what we find is we're the one that's blessed. So, so this area of stewardship, not just, not just the offerings, but in all aspects. Let's not give out of necessity. Let's not give grudgingly. God loveth a cheerful giver. Father, I pray that you'd help us this morning and thank you for your goodness to us. And I do pray that you'd help all of us this morning to look into our own lives and to see where we're at. I pray that you would help all of us to have more of an attitude of gratitude and thankfulness to you. And Lord, to see all the blessings that you have given to us so uh, we, can, we can just enjoy uh, the blessings of, of life and sense your workings in our life. And I pray that you'd help us, Lord, to, to realize what you have done and help us, Lord, then to be a good steward, uh, not out of compulsion, not out of guilt, but because of, we have a loving, thankful heart, a heart of gratitude. Heads bowed, eyes closed. You're here this morning. You say, Pastor, I'm saved. I know I'm saved. Uh, I know if I died right now, I'd go to heaven. Uh, as a testimony to the Lord, just slip your hand up. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Many hands all around the auditorium. Maybe you're here this morning and say, Pastor, that's not me. I wish I had that same assurance. I wish I know, knew that if I died, I'd go to heaven. I don't, but I'm not, I'm not sure. I'm concerned about that. Who'd say, Pastor, pray for me. I won't come to you. I won't embarrass you, but I'd, I'd like to pray for you this morning. Pastor, pray for me. I'm not sure if I died, I'd go to heaven. Just slip your hand up. Let me pray for you. Let me pray for you. I see your hand. You can put it down. Who else? Pastor, pray for me. I'm not sure if I died, I'd go to heaven. Concerned about that. Pray for me. Pray for me. All right. Here in just a moment, we're going to all stand. And as we do, the invitation is going to be open. And we'll have pastors down front. And you can, you can come. We'll have someone share, share with you what God has to say about you going to heaven. Child of God, how's our gratitude? How's our focus? 
And the Lord spoke to your heart, you respond as well. Father, you, you know the needs of each person, this one that raised their hand, unsure of the, their eternal destiny. I pray that you'd work now in their lives. Help all of us, Lord, to respond to your leading in our lives, please, for Christ's sake. Amen. Let's stand together, heads bowed, eyes closed. If the Lord spoke to your heart, you respond. You respond. You raised your hand, unsure of your eternal destiny. You come. Maybe the Lord put his finger on something. Maybe, maybe we've been responding out of guilt or out of responsibility. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed our service. If you would like to hear more, visit our website at bbc4me.org. That's bbc4me.org. May God bless you.